is the 24th episode of Kimchi Slaps by Your Funny on Me, where I tell you what slaps for the week. Y'all, we reached a huge milestone together. We finished the book, All About Love, and now we are moving on to our second book. I'm really proud of us, you and me. <laughs> me and I think four subscribers I have. <laughs> which is fantastic. You know my life motto is quality over quantity. And um, I have chosen to read The Little Prince. This book has been on the back of my mind because I have seen so many white girls with a tattoo from this book. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Um, it's great. It's great. It's it's gotten my desire for reading. So <laughs> I just want to know what what the hoopla is all about. Particularly because um you know, these white girls that I've encountered that have a tattoo from this book, they have it in French and they don't speak French. But I get it. I get it. I get I get what that's about, but you know, you know what I mean? Anyways, it's it's gotten my intrigue, so we are here. I actually uh, purchased a book, this book for my kids too. Cuz I know it's sort of like a world-renowned book. And I want to know what why it's so popular. I purchased it when I was in Portugal um in that bookstore that apparently JK Rowling would often visit and where she conceived with or came up with the idea of Harry Potter and like it's it's such a tourist spot it's pretty interesting I mean I will say it's a beautiful bookstore and I really enjoyed my time there um but every book like that you buy it, it has a sticker that says made by the most beautiful bookshop in the world and it's called Livraria Lolo I, I know I butchered that anyways let's Porto it's in Porto Livraria Lello. Wow, it even says it inside the book. They're, they're, they're such a big deal. Anyways, I the book is beautiful. It's gold gilded like, uh, you know, the sides. Okay, so I'm going to read this book for myself and see why it has uh, so much meaning that people want to get tattoos of it. Okay, here we go. Chapter one. Once when I was six years old, I saw a magnificent picture in a book called True Stories from Nature about the primeval forest. It was a picture of a boa constructor in the act of swallowing an animal. Here is a copy of the drawing. So yes, there's a drawing of a boa constructor trying to eat an animal. You can't tell what the animal is though. Okay. In the book, it said, boa constrictors swallow their prey whole without chewing it. After that, they are not able to move, and they sleep through the six months that they need for digestion. What? Is that, is that a fact? Oh, I mean, damn. That's what I feel like doing after I have a hearty meal, but I didn't know that they did that. Do you think this is a fact? It's probably a fact. I mean, it's... Okay, 
Continuing on, I pondered deeply then over the adventures of the jungle, and after some work with a colored pencil, I succeeded in making my first drawing, my drawing number one. It was like this. So I didn't realize this was going to have illustrations, but it, it's a brown pulp or a brown, how do I, it looks like a hat actually. <laughs> I can't believe I'm trying to describe to you. It looks like Pharrell's hat, but you remember that brown cowboy-like thing, weird Arby's hat? That's what the drawing looks like. <laughs> it's tan too. Anyways, continuing on with the reading. I showed my masterpiece to the grown-ups and asked them whether the drawing frightened them, but they answered, frightened? Why should any anyone be frightened by a hat? <laughs> I didn't read that for That's what it said. Oh my God. I am a grown-up. Fuck me. Okay. Um, my drawing was not a <laughs> I feel I feel stupid now. Um, it was a boa constructor digesting an elephant. <laughs> oh my god, I am I am shamed. I am shamed. This book is shaming me. I thought this was supposed to be like an elegant book. I thought we were talking like royalty with the little prince, but it's shaming me. Anyways, okay. <laughs> but since the grown-ups were not able to understand it, I drew the inside of the book constructor so that they could see it clearly. Grown-ups grown always need to have things explained. am I oh my god I feel dumb old old and dumb okay carrying on <laughs> my drawing number two looked like this hey okay it's a much better drawing I clearly clearly recognize it's an elephant okay and I see the snake so it must be the boa construct oh okay 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 so he drew the inside okay got it okay well Kid, yeah. <laughs> the inside is very accurate drawing. Why didn't you just lead with that? Whatever. Okay. The grown-up's response this time was to advise me to lay aside my drawing of boa constrictors, whether from the inside or the outside, <laughs> and devote myself instead to geog geography, history, arithmetic, arithmetic, arithmetic. <laughs> arithmetic <laughs> this is why at the age of six I gave up what might have been a magnificent career as a painter oh damn okay I had been disheartened by the failure of my drawing number one and my drawing number two I don't know why drawing number two was a failure I would have said good job I get it now um in fact I would have said I'm sorry I was dumb I didn't see it but now I get it anyways uh, grown-ups never understand anything by themselves. So true. Accurate. And it's tiresome for children to be always and forever explaining things to them. I feel attacked, honestly. <laughs> so then I choose another profession and learn to pilot airplanes. I have flown 
a little over all parts of the world, and it is true that geography has been very useful to me. At a glance, I can distinguish China from Arizona. If one gets lost in the night, such knowledge is valuable. Okay, to be honest, this kid um, <laughs> sounds like a dick. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. You know what? I'm going to keep reading. In the course of this life, I have had a great many encounters with great many people who have been concerned with matters of consequence. I have lived great deal among grown-ups. I have seen them intimately close at hand, and that hasn't much improved my opinion of them. See, he's a dick. Okay, he sounds like one of these troll kids that I get on my page. <laughs> all right, continuing on. Whenever I met one of them who seemed to me at all clear-sighted, I tried the experiment of showing him my drawing number one, which I had capped. I wanted to find out if this was a person of true understanding, but whoever it was, he or she would always say, that is a hat then I would never talk to that person about boa constructors or primeval forests or stars. I would bring myself down to his level. Wow. Um, I'm trying to read this with an open mind, but... <laughs> sounds so fucking French. <laughs> okay. I would talk to him about bridge and golf and politics and neckties. And the grown-ups would be... Greatly pleased to have met such a sensible man. Oh my gosh, that was into... This is a children's book? How the fuck is this a children's book? I... I God, I hope to like it more. <laughs> okay, chapter two. So I lived my life alone without anyone that I could really talk to until I had an accident with my plane in the desert of Sahara six years ago. Something was broken in my engine, and as I had with me neither a mechanic nor any passengers, I set myself to attempt the difficult repairs all alone. It was a question of life or death for me. I had scarcely enough drinking water to last a week. What is the target audience age for this book? Okay, I, it's reading to me like a grown-up book. Okay, I already told you guys I'm on chapter two, right? Okay, the first night then, I went to sleep on the sand, a thousand miles from any human habitation. I was more isolated than a shipwrecked sailor on a raft in the middle of the ocean. Thus, you can imagine my amazement at sunrise when I was awakened by an odd little voice that said, if you please, draw me a sheep. What? Draw me a sheep. I jumped to my feet, completely thunderstruck. I blinked my eyes hard. I looked carefully and saw a most extraordinary small person who was examining me gravely. This is the best portrait that later I was able to make of him but my drawing is very much less charming than its model that however is not my fault the grown-ups discouraged me in my painter's career when I was six years old and I never learned to draw anything except boas from the outside and boas from the inside <laughs> okay all right um I don't I don't I I'm I'm trying to imagine reading this as a child I, I, you know what? I'll read it with my kids. Um, but I, okay. You know what? We're just going to go. We're just going to keep going. Now I stared at the sudden apparition in astonishment. Remember I had crashed in the desert a thousand miles from any inhabited region. And yet my little man seemed neither to be string uncertainly 
among the sands, nor to be fainting from fatigue or hunger or thirst or fear. Nothing about him gave any suggestion of a child lost in the middle of the desert, a thousand miles from any human habitation. When at last I was able to speak, I said to him, but what are you doing here? And in answer, he repeated very slowly as if he were speaking of a matter of great consequence. If you please, draw me a sheep. When a mystery is too overpowering, one dare not disobey. Absurd as it might seem to me, a thousand miles from any human habitation and in danger of death, I took out my pocket, a sheet of paper, and my fountain pen. But then I remembered how my studies had been concentrated on geography, history, arithmetic, and grammar, and I told the little chap, a little crossly too, that I did not know how to draw. He answered me, that doesn't matter. Draw me a sheep. But I had never drawn a sheep, so I drew for him one of the two pictures I had drawn so often. It was that of a boa constrictor from the outside, and I was astounded to hear that the little fellow greeted with, no, 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 I do not want an elephant inside a boa constrictor. A boa constrictor is a very dangerous creature, and an elephant is very cumbersome. Where I live, everything is very small. What I need is a sheep. Draw me a sheep. So then I made a drawing. He looked at it carefully. Then he said, no, the sheep is already very sickly. Make me another. So... <laughs> I was going to say this <laughs> this sheep looks a little scrawny, but yeah, this I guess this is, okay, so there's also a portrait of the prince. This is the best portrait that later I was able to make of him. Okay, so he he's a little prince with like, oh, uh, you know, those fencing swords. I recognize the fencing sword because my kids go to fencing now. Yeah, that's some bougie shit, right? Okay. So I made another drawing. My friend gave a gently and indulgently smile. You see yourself, he said. That is, this is not a sheep. This is a ram. It has, it has horns. <laughs> okay, so he drew the same thing with horns. Um, when I did it, Then I did my drawing over once more, but it was rejected too, just like the others. Okay, the drawings are getting worse, in my opinion. This one is too old. I didn't know I couldn't describe that as what it it looked off but this little prince is describing it right I want a sheep that will live a long time wow okay they're both dicks really um by this time my patience was exhausted because I was in a hurry to start taking uh taking my engine apart so I tossed off this drawing and I drew out an explanation with it this is only his box. The sheep you asked for is inside. <laughs> I was very surprised to see a light break over the face of my young judge. That is exactly the way I wanted it. Do you think that the sheep will have to be have a great deal of grass? Why? Because I where, where I live, everything is very small. There will, will surely be enough grass for him, I said. It is a very small sheep that I have given you. He bent his head over the drawing. Not so small that, look, he has gone to sheep. Sleep, sleep, not sheep. And that is how I made the acquaintance of the little prince. Okay, I was right. He is the little prince. The drawing looked to be of the little prince. Okay, chapter three. It took me a long time to learn where he came from. The little prince who asked so many questions never seemed to hear the ones I asked him. 
it was from words dropped by chance that late. Uh, it was words dropped by chance that little by little everything was revealed to me. The first time he saw my airplane, for instance, I shall not draw on my airplane. That would be much too complicated for me. He asked me, what is that object? This is not an object. It flies. It is an airplane. It is my airplane. And I was proud to have him learn that I could fly. He cried out then, what? You dropped down from the sky? He asked. Yes, I answered modestly. Oh, that is funny. <laughs> the little prince broke into a lovely peal of laughter, which annoyed me very much. I like my misfortunes to be taken seriously. You know what? I just have to say, this book is very white. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's just too much. Um, but you know what? I'm, I'm giving it a chance. I'm going to obviously continue reading. Then he added, so you too come from the sky, which is your planet. At that moment, I caught a gleam of light in the impenetrable mystery of his presence, and I demanded abruptly, do you come from another planet? But he did not reply. He tossed his head gently without taking his eyes from my plane. It is true that on that you can't have come very, from very far away, and he sank into a reverie, which lasted a long time. Then taking my sheep out of his pocket, he buried himself in the contemplation of his treasure. You can imagine how my curiosity was aroused by this half-confidence about the other planets. I made a great effort, therefore, to find out more on this subject. My little man, where do you come from? What is this where I live of which you speak? Where do you want to take my sheep? This is... <laughs> so I read that... Um, this was written by aristocrat, and it's really, it's very much giving aristocrat. <laughs> okay. After a reflective silence, he answered, the thing that is so good about the box you have given me is that at night he can use it as, as his house. That is so. And if you are good, I will give you a string too so that you can tie him during the day and a post to tie him too. But the little prince seemed shocked by this offer. Tie him? What a queer idea. Whoa. Okay, this book is old, huh? Okay. But if you don't tie him, I said, he will wander off somewhere and get lost. My friend broke into a peal of laughter. But where do you think he would go? Anywhere, straight ahead of him. Then the little prince said earnestly, that doesn't matter. Where I live, everything is so small. And with perhaps a hint of sadness, he added, straight ahead of him. Nobody can go very far. Okay, so there's an illustration. The Little Prince on the Asteroid. Wow, I didn't realize this was going to be a space book. I, I knew nothing about this book. But yeah, he's standing in space. He has a little bow tie and flared pants. <laughs> okay. I guess I'll just continue another chapter. Chapter four. I had thus learned a second fact of great importance. This was that the planet the little prince came from was scarcely and any large that larger than a house. But that did not really surprise me much. I knew very well that in addition to the great planets such as Earth, Jupiter, Mars, Venus, to which we have given names, there are also hundreds of others, some of which are so small that one has a hard time seeing them through the telescope. When an astronomer discovers one of these, he does not give it a name, but only a number. He might call it, for example, asteroid 325. 
I have serious reason to believe that the planet from which Little Prince came is the asteroid known as B612. This asteroid has only once been seen through the telescope. That was by a Turkish astronomer in 1909. On making his discovery, the astronomer had presented it to the International Astronom Astronomical Congress in a great demonstration. Okay, I already feel like this book is so bougie. <laughs> just, I just, I don't really feel like it's written for children. But I feel like this is exactly how the French would do it. Anyways, I'm going to carry on. But he was in Turkish costume, and so nobody would believe what he said. Grown-ups are like that. Oh, okay, we're still distinguishing grown-ups. Fortunately, however, for the reputation of asteroid B612, a Turkish dictator made a law that his subjects, under pain of death, should change to European custom costume. So in 1920, the astronomer gave his demonstration all over again, dressed with impressive style and elegance. And this time, every everybody accepted his report. I am really surprised, at least, about this book. Um, I mean, well, actually, is it a surprise? I, it is. I mean, I really came into this book with knowing nothing other than that it is a popular children's book. That white women get tattoos of, <laughs> so um, I'm just surprised. I I I thought it was gonna be just about like like a castle prince. I didn't realize this prince was gonna be like <laughs> an asteroid. Very unexpected. Okay, I'm gonna continue on. If I have told you these details about the asteroid and made a note of its number for you, it is on account of the grown-ups and their ways. When you tell them that you have made a new friend, they never ask you any questions about essential matters. They never say to you, what does his voice sound like? What games does he love best? Does he collect butterflies? Instead, they demand, how old is he? How many brothers has he? How much does he weigh? How much money does his father make? Okay, I've never asked those questions, but um, I've just asked for a name. <laughs> And what do you guys talk about? So um, I feel like at least I'm a little different in his grown-up category. Okay. Only from these figures do they think they have learned anything about him. If you were to say to the grown-ups, I saw a beautiful house made of rosy brick with geraniums in the windows and doves on the roof. They would not be able to get any idea of that house at all. You would have to say to them, I saw a house that cost 450 pounds. Then they would exclaim, oh, what a pretty house that is. Okay. Yeah, it's, um, this is very, I mean, I guess it's from the children's perspective of making fun of adults. I kind of get that. Um, it's a bit, it's still pretty white for me though. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, continuing on. Just so you might say to them, the proof that the little prince existed is that he was charming, that he laughed, and that he was looking for a sheep. If anybody wants a sheep, that is a proof that he exists. And what good would it do to tell them that? They would shrug their shoulders and treat you like a child. But if you said to them, the planet he came from is asteroid B612, then they would be convinced and leave you in peace from their questions. They are like that. One must not hold it against them. 
children should always show great forbearance towards grown-up people. But certainly for us who understand life, figures are a matter of indifference. I should have liked to begin the story in the fashion of the fairy tales. I should have liked to say, once upon a time, there was a little prince. I really thought that's how we were going to start. So I'm very surprised that it, we didn't start that way. Who lived on a planet that was scarcely any bigger than himself and who had need of a friend. To those who understand life, that would have given much greater air of truth to my story. I wish this book started like that. That's the kind of story I like. So I don't know if I I would impress this, <laughs> this kid. For I do not want anyone to read my book carelessly. I have suffered too I have suffered too much grief in setting down these memories. Six years have already passed since my friend went away from me with his sheep. If I try to describe him here, it is to make sure that I shall not forget him. To forget a friend is sad. Aw. That. That is endearing. Yes, it is very sad to forget a friend. Um, actually, this reminds me of the time when I was little. I had a friend. I have a picture of this girl, and I think we were in ESL together, and I, I cannot remember her, even though I have a picture. I... And that really made me sad. Anyways, oh, well, sorry, I got kind of lost in that moment there, thinking about that picture. Anyways, um, not everyone has had a friend. And if I forget him, I may become like the grown-ups who are no longer interested in anything but figures. It is for that purpose, again, that I have bought a box of paints and some pencils. It is hard to take up drawings again at my age, when I have never made any pictures except those of the boa constructor from the inside, no, from the outside and the boa constructor from the inside since I was six, I shall certainly try to make my portraits as true to life as possible. But I am not all sure, sure of the success. One drawing goes along all right and another has no resemblance to a subject. I make some errors too in the little prince's height. In one place, he's too tall, and another too short. And I feel some doubts about the color of his costume, so I fumble along as best as I can. Now good, now bad, and I hope generally fair to mid, middling. In certain more important details, I shall make mistakes also, but that is something that will not be my fault. My friend never explained anything to me. He thought perhaps that I was like himself, but I, alas, do not know how to see sheep through the walls of boxes. Perhaps I am a little like the grown-ups. I had, I've had to grow old. Okay, now it's getting me fucking depressed. <laughs> okay. Um, chapter five. I guess we'll do another because I'm curious as to where we're going. As each day passed, I would learn in our talk something about the little prince's planet, his departure from it, his journey, the information would come very slowly as it might chance to fall from his thoughts. It was in this way that I heard on the third day about the catastrophe of the baobabs. This time, once more, I had, to, I had the sheep to thank for it. For the little prince asked me abruptly, as if seized by a grave doubt, It is true, isn't it, that sheep eat little bushes? Yes, that is true. Ah, I am glad. I did not understand why it was important that the sheep 
should eat little bushes, but the little prince at it. Then it follows that they also eat baobabs. I pointed out to the little prince that baobabs were not little bushes, but on the contrary, trees as big as castles, and that even if he took a whole herd of elephants away with him, the herd would not eat up one single baobab. The idea of the herd of elephants made the little prince laugh. We would have to put them on one top of another, he said, and then he made a wise comment. Before they grow so big, the baobabs start out by being little. That is strictly correct, I said, but why do you want the sheep to eat the little baobabs? He answered me at once, oh, come on. Oh, no, oh, come, come, as if he were speaking of something that was self-evident. And I was obliged to make a great mental effort to solve the problem without any assistance. Indeed, as I learned, there were on the little princess planet, as on all planets, good plants and bad plants. Therefore, there were good seeds from good plants and bad seeds from bad plants. But seeds are invisible. They sleep deep in the heart of the earth's darkness until one is seized with a desire to awaken. Then it will stretch itself and begin timidly to push a little sprig inoffensively upward toward the sun. I cannot imagine my kids paying attention to this, honestly. I don't know if what that's out of a, I mean, this, I already feel like this book is too deep <laughs> for me. <laughs> okay. Um, if it is only a sprout of radish or the sprig of a rose bush, one would let it grow. But when it is a bad plant, one must destroy it as soon as one recognizes it. Now, there were some terrible seeds on the little prince's plan planet, the seeds of the baobab. The soil of that planet was infested with them. A baobab is something you will never, never be able to get rid of if you attend to it too late. It spreads over the entire planet. It bores clear through it with its roots. And if the planet is too small and the baobabs are too many, they split in, in pieces. It is a question of discipline, the little prince said to me later on. When you finish your own toilet in the morning, it is time to clean your planet. You must see to it that you pull up regularly all the baobabs when they can be distinguished from the rose bushes, which they resemble so closely in their earliest youth. It is a very tedious work, but very easy. And one day he said to me, you ought to make a beautiful drawing so that the children where you live can see exactly how all this is. That would be very useful to them if they were to travel someday, sometimes. He added, there is no harm to postpone a piece of work, but when it is a matter of baobabs, that always means a catastrophe. I knew a planet that was inhabited by a lazy man. He neglected three little bushes. <laughs> um, that, that sounded very Karen. <laughs> okay, sorry. I keep apologizing reading this book. Okay, so as the little prince described it to me, I have made a drawing of that planet. I do not much like to take a tone of moralist, but that the danger of the baobabs is so little understood and such considerable risks would be run by anyone who might get lost on an asteroid that for once I am breaking through my reserves and say, children, watch out for the baobabs. My friends, like myself, have been skirting this danger for a long time without even knowing it, and so it is for them that I have worked so hard over this drawing. The lesson which I pass on by this means is worth all the trouble. You may wonder, 
Why are there no other drawings in this book as magnificent as the drawings of the Baobabs? The reply is simple. I have tried and failed when I made the drawing of Baobabs. I was inspired by a force of urgent necessity. Okay, I'm going to end it there. Um, the Baobabs, they're, they're, they do look like huge trees, uh, much like the ones in Hawaii. Uh, so far, um, this book... I mean, it's not what I expected at all. I thought it was going to be like a charming little fairy tale. I did not expect a prince on an asteroid. So, um, I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm just befuddled. <laughs> um, it's, it's, am I halfway through? No, I, I'm, it's a tiny book. So I'm like, maybe fifth literally like the nice say chapter five anyways um yeah I don't know I feel a little it's kind of like what I expected in terms of the sort of bouginess of it <laughs> what I mean by that is like it claims to be a children's book but I feel like it's one of those books that's not really written for children um, yeah, you know, anyways, because children would not, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I know that some people grew up with this book and they claim to love it, but I just know if I read this to my kids, they would be bored. But, you know, I'll still probably give it a go. Um, yeah, what a, what a surprising, uh, I mean, hey, at least it's not, what I expected at all. I can't say I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm just surprised. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel about it. So, um, but I am still intrigued to find out why this book is so endearing to people. So there's that to look forward to. Um, okay. For... For this week, that's what we've accomplished in our reading. <laughs> I don't know why I feel so anticlimactic. But um, thank you for listening, my few podcast fam. Remember, quality over quantity. It's the richest way to go on about life is my personal opinion and I appreciate I appreciate y'all from the bottom of my heart truly okay let us continue this journey next week lots of love Mwah!